Welcome to episode 9 of the Taifa Into Perspective podcast 2020-2021 with me, Dion Okello George Pakena, a student, an activist, and enthusiast of Pan-Africanism and political affairs. In this episode, we are going to talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic has heavily damaged the Ugandan education system. With the current batch of students having been out of school longer than any generation of Ugandan students prior, even talking about the different wars that we've had, the future of the system hangs in the balance due to the possible future variants of the virus emerging, hence more lockdowns and more people, more students staying at home longer. An e-learning system was introduced for some classes and for some schools, but there were many hitches and it wasn't broad enough to cover all the students. Other countries are employing e-learning with results and is the, fa- is the fault solely with our government or with our lack of resources necessary for students to access these services or is it something to do with the enthusiasm to embrace change? in Africa in general when it comes to digital migration of different essential services. So before I get into it, I want to get back to 2020, just as the coronavirus was coming into the forefront of the news and how this virus changed our lives without us even thinking that it would. So in March, when a lot of countries were rolling out their lockdowns in 2020. Uganda decided to also have a full lockdown and by March 20th, midday of March 20th, a lot all schools, all education um, institutions had to close. And at that at that time it was indefinite because we just had we just had a continuous string of lockdown of 21 days after another lockdown of 21 days and because of that we we sort of lost and en- we lost the enthusiasm to study from the young ones all the way to the old ones but in a society where education has been pushed so much to be the key to success we were left in stasis we didn't know what was going to happen. The future was uncertain. We At that time, we even hadn't thought of the possibility of other waves, but we went along willingly because it was the best thing to do to curb the spread of the coronavirus. A lot, a, and during that time, a lot of the schools were halted. The government was often questioned about what their planned response was going to be to the, the closing of schools, how the education system was going to adapt in the, in the 1980s when there was the Bush War, that Somo Seveni coming into power, there was a, a shifting of the syllabus to have examinations be done in March, which is probably springtime, in the middle of springtime. And at, that was due to war. And we were going to see an extension far longer than that, and we hadn't even realized it. Because for now, we have been out of school for roughly a year, and it's increasing, and the, 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 the effects are starting to take shape. 
so with the whole thing of schools the government was asked what it was going to do and we had all sorts of outlandish plans from ready giving radios to every student to buying mathematical sets to newspapers and um, tvs and supplying tvs to all the villages in uganda it was very laughable because it is not something that even if we could do it would be the best solution and that's even a big if because given the, the amount of leak that our government goes through when it caused corruption the job would have been very shoddy anyways we're having a lot of suppliers over is to give, give give inflated amounts of of their prices so that they could earn from that government money and we were seeing things like a set having a unit price of ten thousand and radios being a hundred thousand so with that um we we after all of those failed plans a lot of the private schools took it upon themselves to start educating their own students uh, so they couldn't be left behind because one thing that is a constant is national examination and it's something that even if it's postponed it will have it will happen and because of that private schools will always want to get the edge of our government schools and we have been seeing that trend over the last few years of private schools um, heavily dominating in the in the results lists over the government schools and it has been there's been a steady decline in the performance of the government schools to the point where even this year there are some government schools that um, they did not record fours or good um, satisfactory s4 results so that the effect of these private schools was heavily exacerbated to the point where we were starting to see a gap a shift in the a gap that was widening amongst children in private schools especially of middle and middle class and well-to-do families over the refugees and the, the poor children and the children in the slums in the villages and all that and different schools had to find ways of catching up other people decided like most private schools wanted to do online classes especially the international ones to them the school really didn't end because they had all the, the ways of supplying their students with enough um learning material and lessons the students are from families where the sort of things that they need to have online learning and a conducive environment for it are there whereby even if a child could learn online if they're at home the average ugandan child will have certain home responsibilities like cooking and doing a lot of the chores especially in a time when people can't afford maids the whole extended family system is kind of coming back into play so even home-based online learning doesn't seem so good because of the fact that most of the children when at home have to devote their time to home labor and because of and because these private schools are now seeing themselves as sort of an elitist group that is supplying something that no one else has they didn't lower the costs considering that it was a pandemic and instead costs remained the same per semester or in some cases increased like in the elite kampala 
primary schools that teach the Uganda syllabus. And but then we started seeing this effect because um online is some online studying depends on the internet and the infrastructure, like the cost of the internet and the infrastructure that the person has. Um a lot of people first of all when we did a, a survey in mobs to ascertain the different um like hardships that students had with online learning um and online examination they told us that network issues and data costs and the cost of having a laptop or buying these like these we, we don't realize it because we some of us are in better schools and better universities but the vast majority of ugandans cannot afford data it is that bad it is a privilege in uganda if you can afford data daily because of the fact that a lot of people whose futures rely on this education and them getting a job out of this education cannot even gather the funds to buy this data or to even buy a laptop or a phone that can facilitate good online learning and even if they do there is the problem of network coverage a lot a very repeated um problem that was or fear that was like was said by the the, the people in the survey was that the, the network is horrible and this is something i can agree with because in mobs i saw i i attended so many online lectures that it they the network was horrible and it was not something that was sustainable you'd have lectures going on for around 10 minutes before the lecturer gives up or for like the whole lecture you could only t- listen to around 20 to 30% of what the lecture lecturer said and then they want a test and they want coursework and everyone is expecting the good marks when the information itself can travel and because people in private institutions are from better families and they have better equipment and have better access to resources obviously they are going to trump and that was easily seen in in uh, in the ple results of 2021 and around the ele- that the tra- government tried to do though was to make sure that a lot of these government institutions and other institutions had to adapt and also try this online learning but in a phased manner where it would be sort of a hybrid system where some people use the schools the schools facilities to learn within a certain time as the others either have online or wait their turn the 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 latter was employed in most universities i mean in most primary schools while the former was done mainly in universities or places that had access to these online service the the online infrastructure so well, the, the what basically would happen is that a section of the school uses the facilities either for a certain period of the day or for a certain period of the week or a fortnight and then the other students learn online in their hostels or wherever they are in Uganda and then the uh, they they keeps alternating then the next week you go for physical classes since there are less people using the facilities the logic was that there would be 
more space for people and people could follow the SOPs. And we're going to get to why that didn't work later. So like, w- when it was coming to the election period, as le- as all politicians like to do, uh, we were given a lot of space and the lockdown was lifted to sort of keep our moods up and keep voters happy, especially after the remarkable response to the first the, the first COVID wave by the Uganda government. And from that, uh, we all schools decided that they were going to find their best way to um, evolve, to to evolve their educational like system so that it could fit this COVID period with the SOPs and everyone being scattered and some students not coming back. And as I have covered before in other podcasts, but not what I want to cover right now. There are very many psychological and developmental issues took and um, also physical health issues that uh, originated from having children in lockdown that long. But now when it comes to the the solution, which was um, opening the schools, everyone had their own solution to it. There was no real standardized approach that could help people. And because of that, a lot of places saw a good resurgence of uh, students coming back and trying to to get their education done as quickly as possible, and that so that the fi- that, that that was because of the finalists um, being allowed to go first to sit the national exams, and also the finalists in universities to go and complete their courses so that they can graduate and join the workforce. But then a lot of other places people couldn't come back because they couldn't afford the remaining fees. COVID and the lockdown put a big dent in a lot of families already um, strained finances. And to a lot of Ugandan families, education is a priority, but if the finances cannot come, it can be left aside for something else. And because of that, a lot of girls especially question too. And because of that, a lot of girls, especially girls actually, a lot of children, but especially girls got into pregnancies, um, teen pregnancies and um, had to now become married off. And it, it's, we're going to see also a very big research, a very big population boom that originated from this because of the amount of pregnancies that had originated within the younger generation but more about that in the other there's more about that in the other podcasts so because of no one having this uh, a standardized approach to opening schools other than observe the SOPs and 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 um, make sure some online learning is implemented to space out the things the the, the course the courses that the, the, the different students were was was studying, we saw a lot of haphazard planning, especially in universities. Like in MOBS, it's it was said that people have to sign like the people had to follow the SOPs and sanitize and wear their masks. But these were not really followed. There was yes and 
a few LDUs that used to be at the gate that would uh, make sure you sanitize before you enter. But the sanitization was just washing hands in water with liquid soap and a lot of people would just rinse their hands. They wouldn't really wash or anything. There was nowhere to rinse their hands because it was just one tank of soap, soapy water. And then you weren't allowed inside without a mask, but as soon as you crossed the entrance, you could remove your mask. Yes, you couldn't enter the administration block, but you could very well go to class with your mask. And other people, uh, other courses and other faculties around different universities saw people coming to school and coming to universities and sitting without observing social distancing, three, four, five people on a desk, even during examinations. And the examinations, we were spaced out, yes, but the SOPs were not strictly adhered to. And of course, coupled with the fact that the SOPs were also not very strongly um, enforced in hostels, we saw a huge spike in COVID coming from universities, especially Chambogo, Moops, Makere. And it scared a lot of people because people were also expecting this to happen in the schools, in the younger children's schools, the primary and the secondary with the teachers. And although students in those in those um, institutions adhere to the SOPs, universities are much more broader. It was harder to cover those. And that what that was what led to the spike, the poorly planned SOPs. And um, on top of that, back to the learning itself, um, it's not like anything improved really. A lot of people, a lot of university students agree that the examinations they went for when school was immediately opened in December were were very bad because of the lack, the the very poor nature in which the lectures were carried out, and also how immediate after all all those lectures we just had to go for these papers and with with months taking months off without studying over five months without studying and the performance was really poor as could be seen in um, different mobs university and um, different universities not only mobs there's um all in most universities that were government kachambogo makere um most gulu mobs were seeing a drop in an increase in retakes and a drop in performance because of this and people realized and came through on the next semester to say that this online learning doesn't work the network is bad the lectures are lousy and um the it's not even really teaching anymore it's more like watching someone just narrate notes and a lot of the the, the the onus was on the students now to be to educate themselves with this very poor ed, uh, quality education, and we 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 really pressed for reforms, uh, but uh, the uh, the reforms weren't so um, evident by the time we had the lockdown, and uh, by with people getting sicker, we could see that things were only getting worse. And as much as the first lockdown was handled, the way the the reopening of schools was done was not good at all. And yeah, so 
the COVID resurgence and that and with that resurgence came a very quick closing of schools. Um it came at a very bad time when there were examinations just about to roll out and the internship system, the internship part of most universities was just about to start. And um well, as much as the a lockdown is what should have happened, I don't think that this time we were given a very comp- there was a lot of comprehensive planning into how once we have locked down school is going to have to continue or after the lockdown how we are going to put things back or readjust to kind of fit into this covid system because as much as internship can happen a lot of companies are coming out of this covid um period when they have already restructured themselves to have less people so interns are not really valued so much so the intern market is the intern market is really bad right now and not a lot of people can find productive places to do their internship in already there are there are staff requirements for people to come back to work with 20% 10% at first it was 10% in the lockdown but now it's 20% of their staff and that doesn't really fit for interns if even normal employees cannot come back so it it's really um this time 2021 i don't think the planning was done well and as much as i'm seeing a very positive a very positive outlook uh, as it comes to results there's still figures like in the recent uace where 6000 students missed out because of the covid and the numbers were even larger in ple and so many people as much as the performance is good and which highlights to how much online education has potential in Africa and distance learning there's still a problem with the gap of how many people can actually afford to have this education already to that level is a luxury to reach any candidate class but on top of that now there's the in in such a country it's like a luxury but now there's added pressure to shift dramatically to go online and can online education and examination ever really work the short answer is yes so many countries are already doing it and even the small implementation in uganda has shown that there is promise for it to work out the world is ever more faster moving to technological advancement and africa has missed so many industrial revolutions we cannot afford to miss this revolution of everything going online so what i think schools like in kenya online is um sort of hybrid it's mixed and other schools are also doing the dist- other countries also doing the distance learning and they are getting results it's not a good model in africa per se because there are so many young people so to do distance learning to that scale to a country where 75% of the people are under 30 would be very harrowing what schools should do they should find a way of tackling this problem because as much as online learning can be implemented in Uganda yes even accounting for the infrastructure uh, lack of infrastructure that can make it possible both on the private and um, government sector it doesn't mean it can't be done 
there are more there are better ways of making sure that everyone gets their education and we find a way to do education in a way that even when resources are scattered people can still receive quality education i believe that with this method schools can find a way to market their own ed- style of education and find a way to probably sell it off in the in online packages to other schools that want the same quality of education but can't afford those teachers so that you have more educational material being shared from the higher school from the more quality schools to the lower schools like it's something that happens a lot in universities we have like personally with me i use um scca books can be used for a lot of other courses and i have used them in my own endeavors in mobs so i think that if schools get around to digitizing um their content their educational content their syllabus and finding more productive ways of teaching online and making it sort of product based we can find a way of these schools cooperating to find to get or even competing against each other to create the best content which is then it finds its way of making its way even to the lowest forms of this the lowest developed schools and and it has to be in such a scalable model that even a UPE school can have it so i guess i guess even the UPE schools at some point will have to find a way to implement i know it is not feasible right now but they will have to find a way otherwise they're going to get left behind to implement all these technological advancements i'm seeing so many apps and services coming around where people have digitized this learning content for homeschooling purposes so i think it can be done on a larger level as for examination i think that um we should go to the to the the, the examination center model where like let me say for universities we have centers around the country for different governmental universities and set examination timetables and after the online learning and everything and set ex- examination timetables form like a really comprehensive question bank and then set different exams in different places for these people the same way a lot of online examinations do it you can learn online but when it comes to the exam there's a certain center in Kampala or in Entebbe where you have to go and sit the exam however this allows a very wide spread it allows online examinations to be the online universities to have the widest reach wider than actual universities because if people in so many different locations just need to look for a center to do their examination then it is even more cost effective you only have to pay the center for that time and then you don't have actually need to have classrooms and then those centers could be computer the old computer labs from primary and secondary schools they could be um internet cafes that have quite a number of 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 computers that is for the more rural places like let me say lira if there are few lira students i mean mob students who are in lira you could have them um go to maybe lira town in a in a center and do the exam from there and go back to their homes or come for, to the center for regular tutoring online lectures but probably with a tutor there to also help out with a revision these are things that happen already they are not it's not new these are things that happen for a lot of universities what the government should do it should just do its job and it should do it well there's a lot i could say about the government but that is if they were actually working to where they should be 
to the level that they should be. Recently, the guild presidents have called for an ultimatum of, of 30 days for the Ministry of Education to provide a proper plan for, for, for universities to reopen and study safely. Otherwise, the Minister of Education will have to resign. This is how things work in a democratic world. You should be able to ask for accountability from your ministries. And a lot of people who press for resignation actually get the resignation because from a moral standpoint, if you can't do it, look for someone better who can do it. Just step out. Staying in is going to only make you cause more damage. And I don't want to speak a lot about the competency of the Ministry of Education or the Minister of Education. But what I can say is this. If you know that the education system is moving online, you have to provide as much infrastructure development that can push for that to happen. The way you structure your schools, the, the access to those schools by students, in access to internet and the supporting regulation around that, even to do like the taxes and the pricing. I would have thought that for businesses and schools to move online and even governments to move online, there would be a subsidy on data, not increasing taxes. You can tax, I really, yes, the multinationals need to be taxed, but I don't think right now is a good time to do so, especially since the tax is a value-added tax, which means we are the ones essentially paying for the tax, not the companies themselves. We need to ex make sure that um, companies fill in their quotas for 100% internet coverage in Uganda and making sure that schools have some sort of leeway to also expand. Give a, a, um, You can put a re relaxation on a lot of institutional loans that schools and universities have gotten from these banks so that they have the protection to kind of and even ability to probably borrow more and even invest in this e-education. Because it has definitely promise. And we should also look at the refugee system. The refugee education system has managed to squeeze a syllabus of one year into two-thirds of the time while still keeping the same amount of, of quality of education. And it's seeing a lot of promise during, during the, COVID, the COVID pandemic. I think we need to follow from the refugee system, the refugee education system that has been developed by the various, the, the ref, I mean the refugee, the, the corresponding refugee um, body that is doing all this work in Uganda, us being a very welcoming country to refugees in the first place. And what the students should do is increase enthusiasm. We are in a war, which means our solution is going a solution that benefits a lot of people is going to come at some expense. We are going to have to fight for our own education. If we see things are becoming more difficult and moving online, we should embrace it. I've seen a lot of students that are supposed to be the youth championing online uh, migration, but they're the same people saying, we don't want online classes. I prefer learning in person. It's a lie that you teach yourself that you need to be taught in person. I'm a visual learner. I'm a practical learner. The brain can learn as long as the teaching method is good enough. I'm not saying that the online method that had been rolled out in the past was good, but it can definitely be good. I'm someone who has learned online for a different number of things, and it is possible. You do not need a human being there with you to learn. 
you just need to be motivated about what you want to learn and get your education the more this stalls the longer we are going to take and the more we press for personal education the more we are going to have to put strain on our government which is already failing to get vaccines for us which may not even be the best it's not my place to say or we may be endangering ourselves by putting more of our brothers and sisters in the the fray of covid so personally i think that wanting an easy way out by saying we want personal school or we we want we want um uh we don't want online education it's bad it's 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 bad in itself because you're hindering the very progress that your generation is supposed to bring about saying you want to take home exams just because they they are they're easier to cheat it's not going to help us anyway because the more you cheat you're just repeating Uganda's age old problem of quality in 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 stuff like our, the the general staff unemployment ha, has already been mad by having so many unemployed people take up positions and jobs i mean so, i mean unqualified people take up jobs and we are just going to repeat that if we want examinations that are easy or easy to cheat like you have to look at it in the bigger picture even the people the same government people that we complain that are incompetent it is because of this problem that the system was too easy things that we want that are good are going to have to be things we work hard for and in the meantime students can also engage in skill building because a lot of Uganda's future heavily depends on how multi-skilled the youth are a lot of people who are making it right now in the youth are not people who got 20 points or got um 188 or who have um first class degrees but there are people who pass or just manage to get by but have other skills like photography hairdressing um learning online marketing learning how to farm uh, engaging in agriculture that's a big sector and the youth have to jump on it to make sure that it also reaches this technological advancement because a lot of the countries in all like Israel are developing agriculture in a way that it is embracing technology and we are the people supposed to be doing that for our home here in Uganda so personally i think that students need to increase their enthusiasm and engage in skill building in this time that they are not studying so that we can have a more productive um workforce the bigger perspective i guess is that online migration is inevitable we cannot avoid it if we choose to avoid it it will only come to us later in life at a time where we shall be last place and i feel all the players all the stakeholders in the education sector have to realize this so that we can all put our resources and enthusiasm and energy in the right areas to make sure this is smooth enough for us not only to get this migration but for us to excel and pass highly in this migration let us lead for once let us not be left behind um that's all i have to say thank you for listening